Welcome to the Lighthouse Community Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope today's teaching will encourage you in your faith and help you develop an increasing desire to walk with God. Let's listen in. What do you do about a disobedient God? What do you do about that? What do you, what do, you do about a God who won't do what you want him to do, right? We're, so we're in this series on prayer, and it's like, hey, I'm, I'm doing everything I need to be doing. I'm having devotions in the morning. I'm a good person. I put my cart back at Kroger when I'm done. I let people merge in the lane at construction slow down, right? Like I pick up my piece of trash and throw it in the garbage and do my part for the environment. I'm doing, I'm praying in Jesus' name. I'm doing all these things, and yet... What do you do when God doesn't do what you want him to do, right? You, you, you pray and you really believe and you still get passed up for that promotion at work. You, you, you trust that everything's going to be all right and yet you still end up getting dumped, Right? You, you, you even pray with faith, and, and you know that God's going to answer the way that you've asked, and yet the person that you care about so deeply continues to get worse in their diagnosis. What in the world are you supposed to do with a disobedient God who won't do what you want him to do? That's exactly what we're going to talk about today. And and today I want to share with you three truths about prayer. And I want to share with you one way that you can change how you pray that I believe has the power to transform your very life. And so as Pastor Matt mentioned, if you would open up your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1, but also find 1 John chapter 5 and just kind of put a mark in there because we're going to make our way over there as well. We're, we're wrapping up this series called Learn to Pray, Breaking Through Barriers to Real Prayer. And, and we've been just trying to be very frank, very honest about what prayer is, what prayer is not. Um, and so for these last four weeks so far, we've talked about things like spending time with God in prayer, um, praying at all times about everything, praying with understanding and truth from the scripture. Last week, Larry talked about praying with and for one another. And, and quite frankly, prayer is one of the most critical aspects of a Christ follower's life, right? It's right there with knowing who God is through the scriptures. And so prayer is central, and that's why we've been talking about this for the last five weeks. And so that's where we're going to wrap up today is we trust God to answer our prayers. That's where we're landing today. And so uh, I do want to just very quickly, I want to welcome you to the Lighthouse community. My name is Fritz. Uh, I'm one of the, I do work here, uh, but I'm one of the pastors here at Lighthouse community. And if you're a guest, I'm so glad you're here. And if we haven't met yet, maybe you've been here for the last few weeks and we haven't met yet, I'd love to meet you after the service uh, sometime and just say hi to you and get to know your name and your face. Um, I do want to say welcome to our other locations. So Bluffton community, we're glad you're 
you're with us today, those of you joining in Faustoria, uh, maybe from Living Hope, uh, anywhere else, Lighthouse Online, we're super glad that you're with us today. Thanks for being with us as we wrap up the series, Learn to Pray. And so speaking of prayer, let's take a moment. Uh, I know we've been praying through the morning, but I do want to take uh, one more moment before we get into the scriptures and pray. So let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, there's so many times where, where I'm, I come before you and it just seems like a recurring theme um, of just needing again to learn how to depend on you. I, I'm so good at depending on myself. I'm so good at putting together my plans and contingency plans and, and, and things to, to be ready for if, uh, if they don't go the way that I anticipate that they will or you, or you don't do what I want you to do. And so even in a moment like this, it's really easy for me to rely on, on the gifts that you've given me um, or to rely on the preparation that you've taken me through. And, and while those things are fine, those gifts are gifts you've given and, and that preparation is preparation you've given. And at the same time, what I really want to do more than anything is in real time right now, uh, depend on you. Um, I, don't, I don't want to walk away and have people say, hey, that was, a, that was a really good sermon. You kept my attention for like 27 out of 35 minutes. Uh, way to go. Um, rather, Lord, I pray that people would talk to you and they would say, thank you, God, for speaking to me today. Thank you for using a vessel of yours to do your work in my life today. And so I pray for myself that you would give me ears to hear what you have to say to me in real time, as well as for my family here, no matter what location they might be at, that we would hear your voice overwhelmingly above any others. And so empower us to learn from you and then activate that by faith through Christ. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus and everyone said... Amen. All right. Hey, so we're going to jump right into a few truths about what prayer is, what it isn't. And so the first truth I want to share with you today is simply this, is that prayer is talking with God. That's, that's what prayer is. Prayer is talking with God. And so what that insinuates is this is a two-way communication, right? There's moments where I'm talking, but there are also moments where I am listening. Yeah, listening. And so I think we do the first part really, really well. Uh, we probably don't do the second part as well as the first. And, and when you look in Scripture, when you see the very first moments of prayer, right, all the way back to like Genesis chapter 1, you see that there's a conversation that's being taken place. And, and so if you look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, right before that moment, God is creating humanity, right? He's going to make man and woman in his image. In his image, he's going to create them. And then in verse 28, God says this to Adam and Eve. He says, and God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And so when you look, this is the first conversation that's recorded in scripture between God and man. And what's amazing to me is there's no words recorded of people. They're just listening. They're hearing what God has to say to them. This is the first encounter of prayer. 
When you fast forward a little bit to Genesis chapter 3, you begin to see an interchange between God and Eve and God and Adam, right? They're talking back and forth. This is, this is prayer. You get to Genesis chapter 4, and you see God and Cain talking with one another, Right, And so this is just conversation that's taking place. It's people talking with God. They're talking to him, and then they're listening to what he has to say. And so it started with conversation. But over time, prayer began to be developed into a standardization. It began to take forms. It began to look a certain way and operate a certain way. And so the Jews had developed prayers that you would say when you woke up. Prayers when you would eat, prayers when you would go to work, prayers when you would lay down and go to sleep at night. And so mostly what happened to these prayers is they moved away from talking with God, is they moved to talking about God or talking just to God, and then you're done, right? And it's over and you move on. And so what happens as you begin to move in Jesus into the New Testament and Jesus shows up, right, God in the flesh, Jesus moved back to personal conversation with God, right? He begins to do things like refer to God as his father. And when you read in the Gospels, like the Jews were angry about this. How dare you? How dare you claim that some kind of a personal relationship with him? He's not your father. He's our God, right? But in in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13, Jesus says, I'm going to teach you how to pray. And how does he start it? Our, Our father. He's moving it back to personal conversation with the Lord. In John chapter 17, this is Jesus. We tend to refer to this as his high priestly prayer. But when you read through John chapter 17, you'll see that Jesus actually doesn't do a ton of asking for stuff. He does ask. He asks for things like unity. He asks for things like, you know, he looks forward to returning to the glory he had uh, before he came to the earth. Um, So he asks for a few things. But when you look at that prayer, all he's really doing is he's just talking to the Lord. He's just sharing things with him, right? God, you did this. You said this. Our disciples, you know, my disciples have done this, right? He's just, he's just talking. He's sharing with God. And so you've got to know that prayer is just simply talking with God. It's talking to him, and then it's listening to him as well. But what we've done is we've carried over some of the weird stuff of the standardization of when we pray. And so for many of us, what we do is we talk about God when we pray, We only talk to God when we pray, and we don't spend any time listening, right? You dial in your needs, you amen, you hang up, and you go do what you want to do, right? Uh, My favorite is uh, I'll hear people pray, pray, and all we really do is we talk to each other with our eyes closed. You've been in those prayer meetings before. You know, Lord, you know about Sally, and then you tell everybody the story about Sally while your eyes are closed as if the Lord didn't know what was going on in Sally's life, because you're like, well, I need to inform everybody around me, right? And, and prayer ends up just being, we just talk to each other with our eyes closed, and that's really about it. Sometimes we try to manipulate God into doing what we want him to do, try to convince him, well, God, if you're a loving God, you know what you would do, Right? We spend a lot of time focusing on ourselves, thinking about what I need, thinking about what I want, thinking about the barriers that are in my life, right? And so we've carried over a lot of these weird things. And so what what I've really learned in this time is like it's, 
I think what we would benefit from a lot is just learning how to listen. Actually, what if we flip-flop the amount of time we talked versus the amount of time we listened? What if you just came before the Lord and heard what he had to say to you, right? What if, what if you just sat in silence before God and you just waited, right? You just waited. What, what if you did make a request and said, Lord, you know, this is a need that I sense in my life. And then you went and searched the scriptures to see what God has already said about that very thing and know that God speaks to you through the scriptures in real time about that, right? What if you began to become very aware of what I refer to as the urges in my spirit? There are just times when there are ideas that come into my mind and into my spirit that are clearly not Fritz's, right? They're usually about doing things for other people, right? And uh, being kind and a blessing and things like that. It's like, clearly that's the Lord because I would not have come up with that one on my own. And so, right, what if you listened to those urges and responded in faith to those? Because prayer is way more about just talking with the Lord and learning how to listen to what he has to say. That's the first truth. Here's the second truth is that prayer is dependence on God. Prayer is dependence on God. And so what prayer is, is it's an intentional decision to rely on God. And so what I do in prayer is I share my whole self with him, right? All of my hopes, all of my dreams, all my desires, all of my fears, all of those things. And I simply trust God to meet my needs. You know, that's actually how you're designed to live. Do you know that? As human beings, we are designed, we are made intentionally, created to rely on God for absolutely everything. Do you know that? That's actually how we were made. So again, if you go back, you see uh, from the beginning in Genesis, you see that God is the creator. You see throughout the scriptures that God is the sustainer. The only reason that the earth and the universe maintains its shape and does not explode into atomic chaos is because God, Jesus Christ, is sustaining and holding the universe together by his will. Uh, Job chapter 12, verse 10, uh, he says this, that in his hand, talking about God, is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind, right? And so everything is held together. Our very lives depend on God. You know, actually your identity, this is a big discussion in our culture right now. What's your identity? What are you identifying as, et cetera, et cetera? Your, your very identity as a human being depends on God. It relies on him. Go back to Genesis 1. You were made male and female in God's image. The $20 word is imago Dei, right? In the image of God, you were made and you were created. So you want to look for your identity? Look to the Lord. You rely on him for your identity, right? Your whole, everything is wrapped up in him. So you have to know that you're created to rely on God for everything. That is real life. Real life is depending on God for absolutely everything, which then means that sin is depending on me, on myself for everything. That's what sin is. Sin is depending on myself for things, And so what ends up happening as human beings who uh, tend or trend towards sin is we end up with this desire to be like God without God. That's sin. 
the desire to be like God without God. And so what we try to do is we try to be our own provider. I try to be my own sustainer. I try to answer my own prayers. I try to accomplish my own. Well, I set my path and I go chasing after it. I choose it and, and right. And so what we end up doing is we try to be God. We try to be just like God without him. And that is sin. And sin is. Now, I know we always talk about sin results in separation from God. And that's true. But let me tell you this. Sin by its very nature is separation from God. Because sin is saying, I can do this without you. The very act of sin is saying, I don't need you, Lord. I can fulfill this desire. I can fulfill this need. I can provide for myself without you. And sin always leads to death because you are separating yourself from the author of life. And that's a problem, especially when you want to live, right? And so God wants you to live too. So what did he do? He sent his son Jesus into this world. I want you to think about this. God himself showed up in the flesh. He lowered himself to my standard. Think about that. He, so that I could understand him, so I could know him, so that I could see him. And, and so Jesus, think about this. God in the flesh, Jesus shows up into our world. And if anybody, if anybody had both the right and the capability to live their entire lives depending on themselves, it's Jesus. Think about that. He's God. If anybody has both the right and the capability to live life on his own terms, how he wants to, it's God. And it's Jesus because he doesn't need anything from anybody. And yet when you read through the gospels, you will find that Jesus prayed. You will find that Jesus submitted you will find that Jesus intentionally chose dependence on God every single time. He says things like this in John chapter 4, verse 34. It says, Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. And so what he's saying, you know, the same way that, that, that you live off of Crunchwrap Supremes, right? Like I live off of the will of the Father. That nourishes me. That strengthens me. That's what gives me purpose and meaning and energy to do what I do. I simply do the will of him who sent me. In John chapter 6, verse 38, Jesus says this. Actually, let's read this passage uh, out loud together uh, with a lot of enthusiasm, starting with, for I have come down from heaven. All of our locations together. Are you ready? One, two, go. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of... Yeah. That is the epitome of dependence on God. I could come and do my own thing. I'm God. But that's not why I came. I want you to catch this. Jesus lived the perfect life. An entire life submitted to God. That is perfect human living. And that perfect human life led him all the way to the cross. It led him all the way to the cross. It led him all the way to take ownership of your sin and my sin. It took him all the way to the cross to take ownership. He made your problem his problem, and then he solved it. Right? He just solved it. That's what his resurrection is about. 
His resurrection proves that he is God. His resurrection proves that the Father did accept his sacrifice as final payment for all sin. And so what that means for us now, knowing what we know about Jesus and what he's accomplished and what he's done, is we have a choice in front of us. And the choice is this. You either continue depending on yourself to be provider, sustainer, answer your prayers, setter of your will, which is sin, or you enter into real life by depending on God for absolutely everything. That's the choice. By the way, the first step into that is confession and forgiveness through Christ. That's how you step into that. It's, it's asking for forgiveness for self-centeredness. It's asking for forgiveness for focus on self. By the way, you'll spend the rest of your life praying that prayer. You will. I have been for the last 25 years. Constantly. And, and see, the gospel has massive implications for prayer. Because when you see how God has answered your sin, by the way, God, if he's going to be totally just and show no grace and no mercy, then God would answer your sin with death and condemnation and eternal separation from him. But he did not treat us as our sins deserve. But how does he treat us? Instead, he treats us with compassion as a father has compassion upon his children And you begin to see that God did not treat you as your sins deserve, but treated you with grace and mercy and compassion. And so what that, and that's the greatest need you'll ever have in your life, by the way. You will never face another need as significant as being set free from your sin. That's the most significant you'll ever have. So if you see how God has answered the greatest need in your life, and you can trust him with that, don't you think you can trust him with every other single need that is less than the greatest you'll ever face. God, I'm running out of money. That's less than forgiveness of sin. God, I'm struggling in my relationship with my kids. That's less than forgiveness of sin. God, you know I'm looking for purpose and I'm looking for me. That's less. Every other need you will come across will be less than your need for forgiveness. And if God has answered that one rightly and you can trust him, perhaps, perhaps you can trust him with every other need that shows up. Because prayer is dependence on God. Here's the third truth. And we have to move through this one just a little bit quickly, so hang on. (laughs) Here's truth number three. God answers my prayers. God answers my prayers. Now you need to add one more phrase on the end of that. According to his will. God answers my prayers according to to his will. This is what 1 John chapter 5, uh, verses 13 through 15. Some of you are going, my goodness, my finger's tired. Thank you for finally getting there. Uh, 1 John chapter 5, verse 13 says this, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. And, that, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything, thank you for finishing that for me. <laughs> We, we skip over that. We kind of read that verse and go, if you ask for anything, he hears us. And we skip over that whole according to your will portion. That's really, really important. 
Verse 15, and if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him, okay? So what this is saying is that if you're a genuine believer, that you can confidently come close to God in prayer, and you can know that God hears and answers every single one of your prayers. But again, as I mentioned, a lot of times we skip over this according to your will. And we move right on past that, and we just go, well, if I ask, I'll get what I want, right? It's the same thing in like John chapter 14, verses 13 through 14. We go, whatever you ask, this I will do. If you ask me, I will do it. That's how we read that passage, right? That's how we process it in our mind, but that's not what it says. It says, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do for you, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And so the impetus behind that is if I'm asking in the name of Jesus, I'm asking according to his, his will. I'm asking in line with his character. I'm asking in line with his priorities. I'm asking in line with what he wants to accomplish as opposed to what I would like to see done. We do the same thing in John chapter 15, verse 7, Right? We look through that and we go, mm, ask whatever you wish will be done for you. And that's how we understand that verse. But it says, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, if my character is in you through the Holy Spirit, if my word is living in you, if it's shaping you, if it's transforming you, if it's leading you and guiding your very life, your thoughts, your actions, your words, ask whatever you want. Because you're going to be asking according to my will. And it'll be done for you. See, God answers your prayers according to his will. And very quickly, this is the thing I don't have a lot of time for. I want to share three aspects about God's will that I think we overlook many, many times. Uh, and it comes out of both Deuteronomy 29.29 and Romans 12.2. And so there's three aspects about God's will. You're going to want me to unpack this more. Maybe we'll do a series later about this, but I'm just going to walk through this really quickly. The first part of Deuteronomy 29.29 says this, the secret things belong to the Lord. So what that tells us is this. There is an undisclosed will of God, that God has an undisclosed will. There are things that God does and is planning to do that he doesn't run by you ahead of time. How dare he? Right? This is things like, uh, you know, Jesus says, you know, the son is going to return. And they said, when? And he goes, "Mm, I don't know. Only the father knows. But I am coming back. That's a part of God's undisclosed will. So there's an undisclosed will of God that he doesn't share with us. You read the rest of 29.29, and it says this, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of this law. And so what that tells us is there's God's revealed will. There's God's revealed will, things that he wants us to know that he is going to do. Now, these are things like You'll find in Ephesians chapter 4, you are created in Christ Jesus. You're saved by Christ Jesus so that you can come into the full measure of the character of Christ Jesus. That is the revealed will of God. That as you're growing and you're maturing, you don't become and look more like Fritz, as tempting as that is. Uh, But the, the real goal is that you would come into the character of Christ in the full measure of him. That's his revealed will. Matthew chapter 28, it is his revealed will for every person who is a follower of Jesus Christ to share the good news of Jesus Christ with other people. You don't have to pray, should I share the gospel? The answer is yes, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. I can tell you right now and share many other verses with you about God's revealed will. Now, 
There's a third part of God's will. And we see this in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says this. Actually, one more time, let's read this passage out loud together, all of our locations, starting with, do not be conformed. Are you ready? Go. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is what is good and acceptable and perfect. This is what I like to call God's discerned will, right? This is like Acts chapter 13, when the church in Antioch is discerning who does God want us to send out on the missions trip, right? They're praying, they're fasting, and the Holy Spirit says, set apart Barnabas and Paul. And then what do they go back to? They go back to fasting and praying to confirm that that's what God wants them to do. So this is the stuff that usually most people get caught up in. God, where do you want me to work? Where do you want me to live? Who do you want me to marry? Should I stay single? Do you want me to have kids? Right? This is the stuff we all get wrapped up in and we want to know really, really bad. You know, for us, uh, it was we had to discern the will of God before we came to Finley over seven years ago, right? There were three opportunities in front of our family. One was on the west side of Florida, one was in Toledo, and one was in Finley. And so we prayed, and we asked the Lord to lead us and to guide us. And very clearly, uh, I think not only in that moment did we know, but I think the last seven minutes has been a testament, or the last seven years has been, yeah. (laughs) Last seven minutes have been pretty good too, all right? (laughs) So for me, I don't know about you. But uh, the last seven years has been testimony for us that we've been able to walk alongside of this amazing family uh, to see God accomplish his will. And so there are times we have to discern God's will, and that comes through prayer. But let me give you just one little quick note. Don't get caught up in God's discerned will. Everybody gets, wants to get wrapped up in that, and they paralyze themselves. There is so much that God has already told you in the scriptures. Just go do that. And in the process, he will unfold where you should work who you should marry, where you should live. Should, should you stay single? Should you have kids? By the way, you shouldn't have kids unless you get married. Uh, but anyways, that's, that's the revealed will of God. Um, anywho, but, um, but when you pray, when you pray, know that God will always answer your prayers. God will always answer your prayers according to his will. That's how that works. So what do we do with all of this? Very quickly, I think this is what we do. Learn how to pray God's will, and then choose to trust him. Learn how to pray God's will, and then choose to trust him. So very quickly, how do I do that? Well, number one, you've got to discover God's will. In order to discover God's will, you've got to discover God's character, because his will always flows out of his character, and it's always in harmony with his character. Let me say that again. That is so critical. You don't even realize how critical that is. God's will always flows out of his character and is always in harmony with his character, okay? And so to to discover God's character, you must read and understand the Bible if you're going to understand God's character. This is why we talk so often about regularly reading the scriptures. And the most valuable question you can ask is, what does this tell me about who God is? Even beyond the what should I do? If you start with, what does this tell me about God's character? What does this tell me about who he is? That will guide you so much further than what should I do. Second thing, after you're in the process of discovering God's will, is you pray in agreement with God's will. See, because from the Bible and from God's character, we know that it's God's will for him 
to be glorified in every circumstance. We know it's his will for spiritually dead people to be born again through faith in Jesus Christ. We know it's his will for believers to be sanctified in the character of Christ. We know that God's will is for the people of God to share the gospel. These are all ways you can pray every single day without fail and know that you're praying in agreement with the will of God. You know, just a couple weeks ago, I got to uh, be with another church family and see some people I haven't seen in a long time. And one of them was a friend, uh, and I did not know um, that they had been diagnosed with a very significant illness. And so I asked him, I said, can I pray with you right now? And he said, I'd love that. And so I prayed for healing. I asked God to supernaturally heal him. And the other thing I prayed for him, because I know the character of God, but I also know my friend's heart. I prayed that no matter how this journey went, that God would be glorified every single step of the way and that there would be people who came to faith because of the way that he trusted God through this season of his life. And, and we just prayed along those lines. And by the end of this, he is just, I mean, just in tears and going, thank you, thank you. I'm not entirely sure. I think that actually might've been the first time he was prayed for in that regards, the way his response was. And so to know that you can trust God's answers to your prayers and to pray in agreement with his will right? Maybe you, maybe you have somebody you know who's like living in spiritual blindness, right? They don't give a rip about God. They're doing their own thing, and you're like, get him, God. You know, smite him. It's your will for him to die. No, you know, maybe, maybe instead, maybe you don't pray with anger. What if you prayed for them to come to faith and become an instrument of God's glory through their transformed life? Because that's God's will. Maybe you know of a sister or brother in Christ who's living in sin right now, and instead of responding in gossip and judgment, you pray that the Holy Spirit would correct them and bring them to confession and repentance. That's in line with God's will, right? You begin to see how praying in agreement with God's will actually will change you, actually give you substance to pray about, right? It'll change you. And I know some of you are going, well, if, God, if God's already going to do his will anyway, finish the question, then why should I even pray? He's going to do what he wants to do anyway. Uh, if that's your question, you're not alone. You are. Billions of people ask that question. I asked that question for years. God, if you're going to do what you're going to do, why do you need me to pray about it? There's an assumption in that question that we don't even realize. And the assumption is this, that the purpose of prayer is to get God to do what I want. That's the, that's the assumption behind that question. That if God's going to do his will anyways, then why should I pray? That assumes that prayer is about me getting God to do what I want him to do. Or, or, or prayer is convincing God to bend to my will, right? That's not prayer at all. You know what prayer is? Prayer is asking the Holy Spirit to bend you to the will of God. That's what prayer is. Prayer is asking the king of the universe, I'm not in alignment with you. Could you bring me in alignment with you? Could you, could you conquer my wandering heart? Would you bring me to a place where I'm in alignment with your plan? I'm submitting my will to your will. I want to do the things that you want to do. Spending time with God in prayer is actually about God bending me to his will. Not about me bending God to my will.
I'm so thankful for theologians like John Stott. He reminds us this. Prayer is not a convenient device for imposing our will upon God or for bending his will to ours, but the prescribed way of subordinating our will to his. It is by prayer that we seek God's will, embrace it, and align ourselves with it. Every true prayer is a variation of the theme, your will be done. Every true prayer is a variation of the theme, your will will be done. You know what we're really talking about here? We're talking about sanctification. This is what we're talking about. And in sanctification, you'll see it in the Bible from time to time, simply means growing into the character of Christ. That's all it means. Sanctification, growing into the character of Christ, maturing in holiness, learning how to rely on God more and more. And more, that's what sanctification is. And sanctification is this amazing supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. And at the exact same time, you have an active role that you play in it. Because you know you can resist the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. You know you can grieve the Holy Spirit in your life. And so sanctification is both the transforming work of the Spirit and me choosing to yield to Him. And prayer is one of the chief tools that God uses to sanctify us. 18th century evangelist George Whitfield said this, that when we begin to sense how far away we are from Christ, like his standard and where we are today, he says, a deep sense of their own weakness and Christ's fullness, a strong conviction of their natural corruption and the necessity of renewing grace leads a Christ follower to prayer. That when you see how far away you are today from the character of Christ, you can't help but want to go to prayer and ask the Holy Spirit to bring you into alignment to his will, to transform your desires, to change the way that you're thinking, to make his will and turn it into your will, to submit yourself to his work. And so we learn how to pray in agreement with God's will. And the third thing is this, is lastly, is to choose to trust God's answer. If you're going to learn to pray God's will, then you got to choose to trust God's answer. And by the way, I can't teach you how to do that. Nobody can. Nobody can teach you how to choose. You just do it. You make a decision to trust him or you resist him. That's all there is to it. There's, there's, no, there's no way, there's no life hack. There's no simple cut around. You just make the decision. And when God says yes, because sometimes he answers your prayer with yes. And when God says no, sometimes he says no. And when God says wait, because sometimes he says wait. Whether he says yes, whether he says no, whether he says wait, these are all opportunities to learn how to rely on him more. If he says yes, it's because that's the best situation for you to learn how to rely on him. If he says no, it's so that you can learn to rely on him. If he says wait, it's so that you can learn how to rely on him. And so choose to trust God's answer. And one of the ways that you trust his answer is you praise him. You praise him for the yes, you praise him for the no, and you praise him for the wait. Because you know it's right, and it's good. And by the way, there will be times... When you want your own will over and above God's will, and you will see it crystal clear. You will see what God wants you to do, and you will see what you want to do, and you'll go, I want that one, right? God, I know what you want, but I want that one. Here's how you can take a step of growth in that. Confession. Confession. God, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I want this thing but I know you want this for me. What do I do with that? You confess, you repent, 
And you ask the Holy Spirit to empower you to choose God's will over your own, to celebrate God's will over your own. That's the only way it works. You ask the Spirit to renew your mind. That's it. That's how we learn how to pray God's will and then choose to trust him. And so here's just a quick idea you might consider, just a thought. This week, consider starting like a prayer journal, okay? And here's what it, it doesn't have to be like super in-depth. could be on your phone, could be on a piece of paper, could be whatever. But just start a prayer journal where you're going to intercede, you're going to pray for others specifically, and you pray for yourself too, right? But instead of asking for the first things that come to mind, right? God, we just fix the problem. God, we make everything all right. God, we make everything go smooth, right? It's like nails on a chalkboard. Uh, just pray everything goes smooth. Um, right? Instead of just praying for things that come to mind, what if you paused and you asked the Holy Spirit to teach you how to pray God's will in that situation? Because maybe God's will for my life right now as you're praying for me is not that things go smooth. Maybe God's will is actually to go through a really significant time of trial and challenge because that's what God is going to use to draw me closer to him and bring the most glory to his life or to, to his person. And so if you're praying for smoothness, you're actually praying in opposition to the, to the will of God. So what if you just paused and prayed God's will in the situation? Think about God's revealed will in the Bible. Think about God's character in relation to that need. Pray based on truth as opposed to, you know, the sign of God is health, wealth, and blessed living, right? That's not necessarily the case. And see how God answers your prayers. And as you do, I bet God's going to transform your life. He's been transforming mine. He's been changing mine. Right? I think he'll do the same thing for you. One of the things that God has been teaching me this week is that prayer is less about filling me up so that I can go out and conquer the world. And what prayer is far more is actually about me emptying myself so that God can conquer my wandering heart. This is what God has been teaching me about prayer. Because the way of Christ is to be emptied of self. Think about this. If anybody had the right, if anybody had the capacity, if anybody deserved to everybody to look at every moment and every movement that they ever made, it's Jesus Christ. And yet he came and he humbled himself. And he made himself a servant. He was equal with God, but didn't consider that something to be grasped. The way of Christ is to empty yourself. And that, that is in such opposition to the message of our culture. Because the message of our culture is you can do whatever you want to do. You just have to strength, get enough strength, get enough opportunity, make things happen. And the way of Christ says, empty yourself. You can gain the whole world. You'll lose your soul in the process. Don't do it. It's a trick. Right? Empty yourself. Prayer helps you empty yourself. Prayer leads you to give up on your own potential and to put all of your weight onto Christ. Prayer invites you to trust God to be your provider, your sustainer, the leader of your will, all of those things. Listen, you don't have to try to manipulate God. You don't have to try to convince him to do what you want him to do so that he's not disobedient to you anymore. Because God's always going to answer every single one of your prayers. And you know how he's going to answer your prayer? According to his will, right? 
But you need to know this, that if God says yes to your prayer, that's a good gift. That if God says no to your prayer, that's a good gift. And if God says wait, or if God says slow down, or if God has a pathway of challenge and suffering for you, you have to know that is a good gift because we have a good father who only knows how to give good gifts. You can trust God to answer your prayers every single time. I want to invite you to all of our locations to bow your heads and to close your eyes and to ask Jesus this one question. What are you saying to me right now? And I just want you to listen to him for a moment. Just being transparent with you this morning as you're praying if this message isn't challenging you and threatening you in some way or another, it should. I felt threatened the whole time preparing it, knowing I was coming on Sunday. Not, not because I'm afraid of what you have to say. I'm afraid of what the Lord is going to say to me in my life. And the things that I protect and the things that I hold dearly and the things that are according to my will. What an opportunity to place your trust into the Lord. We're going to do two things right now. We are going to uh, go into a time of prayer, but we're going to do it in two ways. One is our prayer partners. We, if you're part of Lighthouse, you know we always do this, and this is one of my favorite moments of ministry in our church on Sunday morning. And so I'm going to ask if our prayer leaders, if they will begin going to those corners and be prepared to receive people. Well, we're going to do something tied to that as well that's just a hair different. And so if you're here, if you're here in the house, I'm going to ask you to stand right now. Uh, if you're joining us online, I would even ask you, stand where you're at. There's something about movement. When we move, God just grabs our attention in a fresh way. We're going to do two things. The first is this. I, you, I, I think you know this, but I want to be clear. You can always pray in your seat. You don't have to go to a corner or a prayer leader to, to pray. Um, you can grab the person next to you and ask them to pray for you if you trust them. Um, but, right? But you can pray right where you're at. And so I want to give you that opportunity to just to bring before the Lord those things that you know you have been walking in opposite. You know God has a plan for you. You know what his revealed will is, and yet you've been going the other way. What an opportunity to be able to confess that to the Lord right now and let him deal with you in that regards and to bring you to wholeness, to bring you into alignment, to bring you to freedom in your life. Maybe there's things you have no clue what God wants you to do. What an opportunity to just ask him right now. We're going to give you time and space to do that. But you also may want to grab one of these leaders who's been trained and, and knows how to pray for you and would love to pray in agreement with God's will over your life. You could go to them and pray about absolutely anything. It could be something huge and scary. It could be something small that's just a thorn in your side. It could be something that you want to celebrate. It could be anything. But prayer is one of the ways that God transforms our very lives. Please don't pass up this opportunity. So the band's going to play. And during this song, at any time, you can go to one of these corners. But also, I would invite you. It's okay. Even while they're singing, you don't have to stare at the words on the screen. You can actually just close your eyes and focus in on the Lord as that plays in the background. It's good. It's all right. Turn your attention to the Lord. Let's focus on him.
Let me, let me pray and then I'm going to invite you to do the same thing. Holy Spirit, teach us to pray. Jesus Christ, teach us to pray. Father God, teach us to pray. Not just say words, but to listen and to learn how to rely on you. And may you draw every single person who needs and desires prayer right now through the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Lighthouse Community, check out our website at mylighthousecommunity.com or connect with us on Facebook. You're invited to join us live Sunday mornings at 9.09 or 11.11. Thanks again for listening to the Lighthouse Community Podcast.